Good morning. It's August 9th. It's a brilliantly sunny morning here in New York City, and this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. Voters in Ohio yesterday overwhelmingly rejected a Republican attempt to make it harder for them to amend the state constitution. The Republican majority in the state legislature had called a special election to try to get the restriction passed in advance of an abortion rights amendment going before the voters at the regularly scheduled election time in November. The Times reports that Richard Uline, the billionaire owner of the Uline Shipping Goods Company, who lives in Illinois, spent $4 million to promote the campaign to make it harder for Ohio voters to control Ohio's constitution. Voters seem to really, really not like this stuff and to be ready to vote for it, even if you try to sneak it by them in weird off-schedule elections. In other anti-democratic chicanery, the Times got its hands on a memo written by Trump lawyer Kenneth Cheesebro, or Chesbro, I've seen conflicting reports about how you say his name. We'll go with Cheesebro for now. Laying out the plan to promote fake electors, conceding that it was a bold, controversial strategy, but arguing that it was worth it for the possibility of manipulating the January 6th electoral vote count to put Joe Biden behind Donald Trump pending any legal appeals to the Supreme Court. The old echoes of Bush v. Gore come through there in the focus on getting a lead by any means possible, and then trying to make that lead the status quo. The jump for that story lands on page A11, right below a bizarre story by Carl Hulse. Once a solemn last resort, censure becomes a go-to move in Congress. Hulse writes, Proposals to censure lawmakers and impeach members of the Biden administration are piling up quickly in the House in an illustration of how once solemn acts are becoming almost routine as the two parties seize on these procedures as part of their political combat. And the trend is only likely to intensify, given the enmity between Republicans and Democrats over a new federal indictment brought against Mr. Trump for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election and the GOP's desire to even the score. What is there even to say? Republicans are mad that they had a criminal president and that one of their own House members, Arizona white nationalist Paul Gosar, got censured for promoting a violent edgelord meme presumably with the help of his alt-right sympathizing staff. And so now, the various edgelords of the House majority are throwing censure and impeachment around to own the libs, and a Times political reporter is here to tell us that the problem is bitter partisan conflict by both sides. Sure, both the cops and the rioters on January 6th used force. Hard to say where the blame for any of the unpleasantness lies, really. And there's a very odd story down at the bottom of the front page. Overdose prevention centers in New York may face closure, which appears to have been reported as a story about the ongoing existence of supervised consumption centers in New York, where people take illegal drugs in a controlled environment, attended by people who are ready to rescue them from overdoses. Only in response to a request for comment on that story by the New York Times, the U.S. attorney responsible for Manhattan, the story says, issued an apparent warning that came in stark contrast to the more tolerant approach the Biden administration had been signaling toward the centers. Damian Williams, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, issued a statement calling the operations of the centers unacceptable and saying, my office is prepared to exercise all options, including enforcement, if this situation does not change in short order. So the threat of a crackdown, precipitated by the Times reporting on the subject, becomes the subject of the report itself. On the page dedicated to climate disasters, I mistakenly read two headlines as one, eight nations reach pact to protect Amazon rainforest as a typhoon nears again. 
The Typhoon is a separate story. Hidden by the fold was Japan Braces for Impact. And then above those is a roundup of devastation in Europe. At least six people are dead in heavy rains and flooding in Slovenia. One more person is dead in Austria's share of that flooding. Portugal is on fire. Cyprus is on fire. Sardinia is on fire. A train derailed in Sweden because heavy rain had undermined its embankments. Plenty more of this to come. And in local news, yesterday's shark bite made today's print edition. This more detailed account of the attack on Tatiana Koltunyuk in the waters off Rockaway Beach includes the information that the police report indicated that Ms. Koltanyak had lost about 20 pounds of flesh as a result of the bite, but pictures published online showed that while her wound was serious, that figure was probably a significant overestimate. The ongoing degradation of Google's web search function makes it impossible for me to figure out if Rockaway Beach is still closed today after it was closed yesterday. The results are all a mix of day-old stories about the shark attack closing the beach yesterday and generic information about construction closures and seasonal hours for the beach. And above the shark story, there is a perfect Eric Adams New York story about how the mayor is pushing to host the Men's T20 World Cup in cricket by inviting the Dubai-based International Cricket Council, the Times says, to build a temporary stadium with roughly the seating capacity of Fenway Park in the middle of Van Cortlandt Park in the Bronx, right over the city's largest expanse of cricket pitches. To welcome cricket to the city, he's going to make it impossible for the city's cricket players to play cricket. That's the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going, and we will talk again tomorrow. <laughs>